Welcome back to Hopeful Harvest Acres. This is Abby, and on today's episode, we are going to be embarking on a nine-week journey studying legacy. So if you would, grab your Bibles and a cup of coffee, and let's jump right in. Hello, ladies. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that you're joining me this week. This is an exciting week because we are actually going to be starting a nine-week study on legacy. I'm utilizing a book that is from worldview.org. Worldview Academy is a wonderful organization. I was made aware of this by a man named Bill Jack. He came and he spoke at the Answers for Women's Conference last year. And I picked up this nine-week study guide that's made for individuals or for groups. And I'm going to take you ladies through each week focusing on a specific topic. Um, If you're not familiar with worldview.org, I encourage you to check out their website. They have a lot of good resources available to you. Um, This organization was started about 25 years ago, and it was based on the reality that we are needing to bring the gospel to an increasingly post-Christian culture. And the next step would be to raise up leaders that are deeply rooted and profoundly biblical in their faith to bring the gospel to the next generation. And so Bill Jack and a few other men really dove in deep as they started the Worldview Academy. So you can go onto their website. You can read their statement of faith. I encourage you ladies to check out this organization since this is going to be what I'm working out of for the next nine weeks. So I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. I hope that you're all well. I hope that you have been connected with your local church. If you don't have a local church and you're um, from the Effingham area, can I please just take a moment to invite you to Christ Church, where our family attends every Sunday. Christ Church has three services. We meet at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m., every single Sunday. Christ Church is located at 2511 South Veterans Drive in Effingham, and there's also a campus in Flora. It's called the Clay County Campus. They meet on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., and their campus is located at 200 North Olive Road in Flora, Illinois. There are programs for kids ages birth through fifth grade that will be available during the services, so you can definitely take advantage of those if your family would like to utilize that for your kids to attend while you attend the service. But would you consider checking it out? And maybe if you're not connected to a local church, maybe this could be the church that you finally bring your family to, and you start hearing the word of God spoken each Sunday. So I wanted to make you all aware of the times and the places that your family could be coming together. So let's jump into week one. Week one is titled Your Tombstone. 
what happened here, basically, when I started reading this, this was a story about a young man who was discipling other younger students, and they would meet at interesting places, you know, like an ice cream shop or somewhere where they could have a sweet treat. But this week, particularly, his mentor decided to take him somewhere not expected. The place that he took him to was a graveyard, a graveyard that was full of tombstones, and he had the kids look around, and the first tombstone that they came to simply had the person's name, his date of birth, the date of his death, and something was written to the extent of a loving father and husband, and that was it, you guys. That was it. Have you ever walked into a cemetery and maybe you've stumbled across some really old tombs that they're not fully legible, but you can get the point across of what it says, their name and their birth date and their death date and um, something simple is wrote on there. And that's that. That's all that's left because this individual's been gone for a hundred, 150 years and they're no longer here. And so what we're going to focus on in this study is the look of a legacy. And what sort of legacy do we want to leave behind? When we think about the word legacy, you know, this is going to include a variety of different things. This will include the relationships that we have with others, the memories that we have made with them. Our legacy will include our material possessions and also the impact we have had on the lives of others, perhaps even without our knowledge. Our legacy is the mark that we have left on other people and the impact of that mark upon the rest of their lives. Our legacies are all that is left of us on earth after we die. So what do you want your legacy to look like? Well, I had to answer these questions for myself and I'm just going to be honest here. So who will leave a leave behind a legacy is the first question that I want to answer. And I answered this with the response that everyone will leave behind a legacy. Every single individual will leave a legacy. And again, we address the fact that a legacy includes relationships and our material possessions, the impact that we've had on others, even people that we may not have even realized that we've impacted for the good or for the bad. When we begin to build a legacy, it's not something that is established overnight. No, it's accumulated over a lifetime. To be able to die well, this book says, we have to live well. What sort of legacy are you going to leave behind? We all have to ask ourselves that question. Now, before walking with the Lord, I would say I was striving to leave a legacy. I was striving to leave a legacy where I made a name for myself. I remember when I came to the knowledge that although I believed that I was a good, hard-working nurse, that my job was fully replaceable. If I were to quit right then, that day, when I had this thought, 
they would post my position and they would have it filled within a matter of days, weeks, maybe a couple months. And I would quickly be forgotten. My name, never to be remembered, maybe to be brought up a few times here and there, but eventually, no more. Now friends, there is only one name that has ever been remembered. And that name is the name of Jesus. And so as we are thinking about what sort of legacy we want to end, we have to ask ourselves, at the end of our lives, do we want people to say that they have fought the good fight, that they've finished the race, they have kept the faith? Will this be something that someone says about you? Or are you hanging on to your own personal legacy? I think it's something we have to wrestle with. Now, what role does integrity, the concept of being whole and undivided, play in establishing your legacy? What role does integrity play? Well, I believe that we do not need to live a perfect life, but we need to at least be running in the right direction. So not a perfect life, just running toward the Lord. And it needs to be evident in your life who your loyalty lies with. What does the resurrection of Jesus have to do with our ability to have a legacy for Christ? Well, the resurrection has everything to do with it because Jesus' resurrection brought hope to all who believe in him. The grave could not hold him because he was God. But because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive with Christ. When we labor in the name of Jesus, all our relationships that are built upon his name, they'll last. They'll last. An important topic that we need to address is that our legacy is not permanent. If we have breath, then we have opportunity to change our legacy. You know, maybe you are currently like me, where you are striving at the workplace to make a name for yourself, or you're striving within your community. You're striving all in seemingly good areas. However, if Jesus is not the center of why you do everything that you do, not because the good works are what save you, but because Jesus' death on the cross was sufficient for you, and now you do all things for the glory of Him, you take each next step because it's been granted to you the day to embrace it, to bring others to the Lord. I just want you to know that you can change your path right now. You can completely transform your legacy. And it starts with stopping exactly what you're doing and reevaluating what your purpose is. Your purpose is not to climb the ladder at your local organization that you're employed at. Now you may in fact do that if you are a Christian, 
and God may allow you to be in the role that you're in. But if Christ is not at the center of your work, then you are striving for the wrong reasons. And although you may be leaving behind a name for yourself, a legacy that people will, will remember you as, that legacy will soon fade. You can put all those titles on your tombstone, but eventually that will be crumbled and there will be nothing left. And so it is never too late. It's never too late. A story that's listed at the end of chapter one is about the movie Mr. Scrooge, A Christmas Carol. And you know, my family and I, we just recently watched this movie for the first time. It's the new version of it that you can watch on Netflix. And it was really good. I didn't know about Mr. Scrooge. And so here I am seeing a man. He's a very greedy and selfish old man. And in this movie, he's visited by three ghosts on Christmas Eve. And it would be these spirits or these ghosts who would change his perspective. They would change his perspective on what is most important in his life and ultimately how he will be remembered after he's gone. You know, Mr. Scrooge, being such a grumpy and greedy man as he was, he saw a foreshadow of what his funeral would be like. Dying in the state that he was about to if he didn't change his legacy. The people were carrying his casket off and they were rejoicing for such a wretched, wretched man was now no longer to be remembered. They would no longer have to be hindered by such a horrid person. Mr. Scrooge had never looked at himself from that light. And so the end shows Mr. Scrooge having hope. He says, oh, tell me I may sponge away the writing on this stone. You see, Mr. Scrooge still had breath. And so he could still change his path. He could change his direction and he could change the legacy that he would leave behind. Now, our legacies, again, they're either going to be about us or they're going to be about Jesus. There's no other name under heaven that will be remembered. All of the false gods who are worshipped, they may have made a name for themselves, but they do not stand next to the almighty and true God. 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8, reads this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This is Second Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8. Here we have Paul telling Timothy that he is being poured out 
as a drink offering. Paul was a man who once cursed those who spoke of the precious name of Jesus. He would hunt them down, he would persecute them. And on the road to Damascus, he would have his eyes opened. He would be enlightened by the gospel. And he would be totally transformed to where he was no longer persecuting Christians. But he was seeking to bring Christians to the Lord. He was finding lost souls, lost sheep, and giving them hope with the message of the gospel. So that they would hopefully themselves believe it and follow the Lord Jesus. Paul was saying that he had fought the good fight. He had lived a life worthy of the calling of the name of Jesus. I have finished the course. He knew that his time was drawing near and that he would also be martyred for the name of Christ. I have kept the faith, says Paul. He kept the faith and that no matter what trouble that he encountered, he continued to keep his eyes on Jesus. He didn't depend on his own strength. He depended on the power of the Holy Spirit, the one who dwelled inside of him, to direct him in the way that he needed to go. In verse 8, it continues and it says, In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness. You see, they put a crown of thorns upon Jesus' head. But that crown of thorns would bring forth crowns of righteousness to all those who repent and believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Paul knew that he would soon receive the crown of righteousness when his earthly life had ended and he had entered into eternity. He says, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day and not only to me, Paul says, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul was speaking about all of the past saints before the time of Christ's coming. Paul was speaking about all the present individuals who were on the earth during the time that Christ walked for his three years of his earthly ministry, who were there during the death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. And Paul's speaking about all the Christians since that time who have been on the earth and who are still to come, who put their faith in him. He says all of those that they will receive a crown of righteousness. Now how do those translate to pursuits in your life? When we do things not for our own personal gain, but for the glory of God, we have the great pleasure of pleasing our heavenly king and one day we'll see him in all of his glory face to face receiving the eternal crown of righteousness that has been prepared for us this is good good news 
Now, an important question that we need to address as well is what is holding you back from pursuing the Lord in a deeper and more intimate way today? What's holding you back? Now, again, I told you I was going to be honest. And so I'll confess what holds me back are my own human emotions. I have to set my emotions aside in order to do the Lord's will. When we're obedient to what the Lord calls us to do, we must react in faith. And faith is not based on things that we can see, but it's based on the things that have been promised to us. And so we must be willing to take steps, steps that are not in the direction of perfection, but steps that are in the direction of the Lord. We're going to make mistakes, friends. We're not always going to make the right choices. But if we're reacting in faith, and if we are allowing God's word to guide us, for what needs to happen next in our lives, then that is us actively pursuing the Lord in a deeper and more intimate way. What else could hold you back? Could it be the fear of letting go of your own legacy? Could it be that for so many years of your life you thought that it was your work that brought about your salvation? If you've heard of the name of Jesus, perhaps that you thought that you had to do so many certain things in order to be accepted. Friends, that's not the gospel. Jesus came and he died. Not to save righteous people, but to save sinners. Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 9 tells us, that by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, so that no one may boast. You see, I too believed that I had to do so many right things in order to be accepted by God but I was striving in all the wrong directions. I was building a legacy that was not at the foundation upon God's word, but rather my own. So what's holding you back today from pursuing the Lord in a deeper and more intimate way? You know, do you know about your great-grandmother or your great-grandfather? What could you tell me? I'll tell you that I know my great-grandparents' names. My great-grandparents on my mother's side, their names were Mamie and Charles. I hope. If my mom's listening, she might say, Abby, you got that wrong. I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, On my father's side, my grandparents' names were, let's see here. Iva and Abe. I know that my grandfather, 
he was a descendant of Germany. They came over um, in the <laughs> 1850s. <laughs> you see, my point is, is that I know very little about my grandparents. I'm sure if I asked my parents more about them, they'd be able to give me more details, but I don't know much about them. So what does that tell you about your life? It hasn't been all that long that my great-grandparents were here. And yet, I know nothing about them aside from their names. And quite honestly, I'm not even sure if that's right. So what do you know about your great-grandparents? And what does that tell you about your life? Have a wonderful weekend, and I'll talk to you soon.